Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Things Episcopal, where we talk about everything and anything related to the Episcopal Church. This podcast was designed with young people in mind, so ages specifically 18 to 39. And it's a place to learn more about the Christian faith, um, specifically through the Episcopal lens. With this podcast in particular, we're going to offer a variety of ways to learn about the Episcopal Church. Some of these learning opportunities will come through conversations and interviews, sermons, and the reading of the daily office. We'll talk a little bit about that. We also want you to know that while we love our clergy, we also cherish the ministry of the laity. The laity, as our Book of Common Prayer says, is to represent Christ and His Church, to bear witness to Him wherever they are, and according to the gifts given to them, to carry on Christ's work of reconciliation in the world, and to take their place in the life, worship, and governance of the Church which is why we have laity represented in the planning and production of this podcast, along with clergy. We also deeply care about this podcast being a representation of the whole body of Christ, which means you're going to hear from a diverse group of voices. So in traditional Episcopal greeting fashion, the Lord be with you. And also with you. And also with you. Well, hello, friends. Uh, who I'm glad uh, y'all are listening to this podcast. So this is All Things Episcopal. Uh, This is a ministry of the Campus Ministry Commission of the Episcopal Diocese of West Missouri. So our normal host is Claire Stern Burbano. Her her pronouns are she and her. She's a member of the laity. She's currently a youth and college minister at a parish in Kansas City. She's actually uh, between, she's doing lots of summer ministries, camps, and that sort of thing, and trying to squeeze in a vacation in between all that. So today, we, we, you've got the two of us. This is, the, this is the Reverend David Kendrick. My pronouns are he and him. I'm the rector of St. John's Episcopal Church in Springfield, Missouri, in the Diocese of West Missouri. And I'm joined by my good friend, the Reverend Colin Larimore, who's a he and him. And he is the Associate Rector at Grace Episcopal Church in Carthage, Carthage, Missouri, um, also in the Diocese of West Missouri. Hey, Colin, how are you today? I am doing, I am finer than a frog here, Father David. How are you? Um, I have nothing that fancy to say, but great. I am doing just fine. Um, I'm reminded maybe how odd it might feel to be doing, helping with a campus ministry podcast when I just celebrated my 62nd birthday last Saturday. But, uh, oh my gosh, happy birthday. Thank you, but I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to, uh, to, to speak to uh, young adults of a college age. Um, and we, we, we want to know what you think of this podcast, so uh, please uh, comment on whatever app you're listening on to let us know what you think. Now, since it's just the two priests today, uh, Perhaps not surprisingly, we were we we got to thinking about things like church and structures and institutions, and so we, we're going to talk about that. But I also it occurred to me that if we're going to talk about the church 
in terms of its structures and its institutions, we have to also balance that um, with community. Now, community is an interesting word. You know, it, it, it's it's rooted in the Greek word koinonia, which is used in the New Testament. It can also be translated as communion. But quite often, when you if you see, if you hear, if you read in the Bible about the disciples' fellowship, that's actually uh, another translation of this Greek word koinonia or community. And it, it occurred to me as Colin and I were talking about this uh, episode beforehand that there is perhaps a little bit of a tension there between the church as an institution with structures and the koinonia or community that really is meant to undergird that. And, and I think what Colin and I both agree on is that you really do have to have both. You know, the, you, you can't have a church. We can't, if, if the church is the body of Christ, if we are living members of the body of Christ, if we are hands, feet, arms of Christ's Eucharistic body, when we receive Christ in the Eucharist, well, the first thing we have to be is a communion. We have to be a community, a fellowship of people who are joined together by our love of Christ and our love of each other in Christ. Um, at the same time, you know, the, the truth is, all communities eventually got to come up with some rules and some structures. So, uh, I, the struct. So, what we're going to do today is that we're going to. I first, I want to come to you, Colin, because, as we just said, you know, you're probably a little closer to the concerns of of young adults of collegiate age than I am, having just celebrated my sixty second birthday, <laughs> and. I, I, it might be interesting to hear you talk about, you know, I mean, you grew up in the Episcopal Church, and that's an institution, right? Mm-hmm. That is a particular denomination, uh, part of what our presiding bishop calls the the Jesus movement. And so you grew up in this institution. And so I'd be, uh, I'd be interested in hearing, you know, from you about what, first of all, what, 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 what you grew up thinking about this thing called the Episcopal Church in terms of its structures, the institutional things, and and to the extent that you've been out there um, among college students, I mean, what is I mean, what do they think of when they think of words like the institutional church? Yeah, so I, I as you as you mentioned, I I did grow up um, in the Episcopal Church. Um, my grandparents and my parents um we all attended the same uh parish church and and that was the faith community that i was raised up in and i remember being uh from my earliest memories are in church to uh, now i mean uh, living the life of a priest um but you know a community growing up in a faith community and in particular the episcopal church there was a sense of knowing that each person had a, a, a role to play in the life of the church. Um, whether you were a, um, a young toddler to, um, you know, the oldest in the community. Um, you know, if you were a toddler, you, you were spent your time learning. That, that, was, that was your role as a, as a child, to have fun and to learn to learn while you're at church and to be loved on by all of these people. Um, and then 
you know, as you got older, you could become an acolyte or, or take a more active role in doing other um, types of classes and things like that. And, you know, as you get older, oftentimes now in, in, in our American society, we don't stay close to home like we used to. We um, often travel, especially for college. And if we've been raised in a faith community and then we step away from it, for, for a, sh- a period of time, maybe for a long time, maybe for just a couple of years or four years, you know, um, to do schooling, to do higher education or or something else. Like you've gone to the military. It's you're you're leaving a community that you have been a part of for a long period of time. And it can feel um, it, it can be like becoming homesick. Um, just like we can be homesick from our families, it's it's the same thing because essentially the church is a family. I mean, it is the body of Christ, but you get all of these people together, all of these folks that fit a spectrum of life. I mean, from homeless to wealthy to um, black to white, you know, gay to straight. I mean, uh, the whole gambit is is found in the Episcopal Church and. It's a real family, and we 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 can feel homesick when we leave those communities, and and that was something that I felt um, because as I was growing older, and even though I went to college in the same city that my parish was in, I found myself becoming more involved with campus ministry, and that draw, drew me away from parish life. Not entirely, but somewhat, uh, to be focused on what I was doing with my peers um, in college uh, and in like situations. And so it was important to me to be a part of that community because that college group was hosted by another parish in town. It wasn't the church that you know I grew up attending or or you know being a part of, really a part of that family, but it is still my extended family that is a church that we are all um, a part of the one greater larger church. And, um, and then we break that down into our, our diocese, you know, and then we're each little expressions of, of, of that ministry across a geographic area. And so to know that I had a church that I could go to and be welcomed and and cared for and fed and, and fed both with food and uh spiritual food um that that fed my soul you know that fed me as as a human and as as a christian and so being able to step away from one church um and not even totally but to be able to walk into another and know that there was community here that this is a uh, a believing uh, group of folks that I do have a place in this body. And it doesn't matter if it's in this particular building on the east side or more east side of town or in the building in the central part of town, because ultimately it's the church is, is greater than the walls that it finds itself in. And I found that in more than one place. Uh, so that that's kind of my 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 first uh, throw there for you at uh, Koinonia and communion. It's found being amongst people 
and sometimes it's like people um, and sharing the same tradition as you. And for us and for me, that's the Episcopal tradition, the Anglican tradition. Yeah, you know, of course, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, when Colin talks about the cam- these campus ministry meetings, I was often there too. <laughs> That's very true. As a clergy uh, mentor. So we, we traveled in those circles. And in the same way, it was a somewhat similar experience because I, you know, there are three Episcopal churches in Springfield. So you were at St. James. I'm the rector of St. John's. We were meeting at Christ Church. And so that was not, it was not your parish. It was not my parish. And, 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 and so we were going to talk a little bit about structures. And so, you know, the, the, the Episcopal Church, of course, was originally just part of the Anglican Church back when we were colonies of England. And then the revolution happened and all that. And when it became clear that the United States was going to become an independent country, then these Ang- these individual Anglican parish churches had to figure out what were they going to be, right? They couldn't be, they couldn't really be Anglican anymore because, right, we weren't English anymore. We were American. And yet they still wanted to preserve this sort of mixed Catholic Protestant heritage that they'd inherited from the Church of England. And so when they reorganized, they kind of did this. They formed this thing called the Episcopal Church. Um, which, and that's a, that Episcopal is from the Greek word that literally can be translated bishop. So we are a church of bishops and, and the bishops have diocese or a diocese. And so each state was a diocese. And so there was a, and so the, the main element of the Episcopal church, we have our, our, what's called a diocese. And that comes from an old Roman word for administrative district. Every, a lot of what we do, you know, we do what's what the Romans did. Because that's part of being part of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church started out, you know, in the Roman Empire. And so in terms of the structures, we have uh, a, a diet where there's a diocese, which is headed by a spirit is head by a bishop who is a spiritual leader of the diocese. Um, and then there are individual parish churches. And I think uh, it's important to know you, you what you learned, something that anyone who is ordained kind of has to come to learn that there's more to the church than just their parish church. And it's it can be so easy. And even among a lot of our people, we can they get really, really attached to their parish church. But when you are but when you begin to sense that maybe God is calling you to ordain ministry, then you're, you start, you have to realize, you know what, that usually isn't going to be at my parish church. It means I'm being called out to go out. And that's when you start to discover, yes, that we are not just part of a individual church. We're part of something called the Episcopal church, which is this institution. But, but at the heart of it, I mean, I, I love how you talked about it as a kid. The first thing you felt like was that you were in a community, you were in a communion. Because you were a kid and everybody just seemed to understand we're all part of this family together. Um, and so at the heart, so you have to have a communion or a community before you can have the institution. An institution without community is just basically a self-serving mecha- organization that has no purpose other than to keep itself alive. <laughs> right. On the other hand, 
And I do think this is important. And I'm not going to say that Catholic or more liturgical churches are are perfect about this. But, you know, on the other extreme, there are there are a lot of Christian churches that are that I know a lot, I, I, you'll run to Christians will say, well, I'm non-denominational. I don't belong to a denomination. I'm, I, we have our own church. And the, 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 the potential problem there is, well, who is that pastor accountable to? Mm-hmm. No one, except the, the people in that local church. I mean, you and I, Colin, as priests, we are accountable to the bishop. That's right. You know, we, we can't, I mean, we can't serve in a church in the diocese of, for, for you and I to be serving in the diocese of West Missouri at a church, a bishop had to say it was okay. Right. I mean, you and I both are parish priests, meaning we serve these parishes, yours in Springfield and mine in Carthage, but we're both diocesan priests. We serve at the as an extension of the bishop, who's chief priest and pastor for all of these people who call themselves Episcopalians in West Missouri. And so that's right. It's very much, a, you know, a diocese is a parish of the whole. It's it's all of these small places of communities, you know, these small families that come together and create this larger, bigger body. And that's what se- separates us from being, you know, like a congregationalist church. It's not just about, you know, it's not just about St. John's in Springfield or Grace Church in Carthage. It's about our expression of our tradition here in these places, but as the Episcopal Church in West Missouri. And and it's a good thing you said congregationalists. That's right. We're not congregationalists. We're not just individual congregations. At the same time, we're not like the Roman Catholic Church, where the bishop really is the CEO and prince. Uh, in in Roman Catholic diocese, the bishop has complete authority over all things, not just spiritual, the property of the diocese, every church. Um, I, I've, I, 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 I'm trying to remember where I just heard that this week, um, someone was coming back from a diocese where it looked like the bishop was about to close and consolidate a whole bunch of churches and the bishop can do that. Now in the Episcopal church, the bishop is our spiritual leader, but no, no Episcopal bishop can just, just close a bunch of churches. Um, a bishop, you know, in, in the Episcopal church. Um, we have shared governance. We we basically understand that the bishop governs the church along with the lay people. So there's a convention that meets every year that includes lay delegates, and they are the chief authority. Um, the national church, every three years, there's a group called General Convention that consists of two houses, a house of bishops and a house of lay and clerical deputies, which is lay people and priests and deacons. And it's the and it's that general convention that makes the most important decisions for the Episcopal Church. And so in that sense, even the bishop has accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, governance is uh, we are we governance is a shared thing. And so as an institution, therefore, you know, we have this shared sense of accountability and responsibility between lay and ordained, and we each have our place in in taking that role. Um I'm just curious, uh, Colin, as can you think of a time when you think the institutional church let you down? Oh, um, 
Yeah, I could probably come up with two or three examples. Um, okay, yeah, no, we may maybe not go into the gory details. No, I no could, gory I could see details. that too. But you know, I think I think there, I think that's part of you know we're human beings. We all have expectations, hopes, realities, dreams. You know, all of these things that we carry with us every everywhere we go, right? Um, and I think sometimes it. Not everything goes our way or doesn't live up to the expectation that we may be built in our heads or it doesn't necessarily, you know, something doesn't unfold the way we thought it should have unfolded, um, whatever it may be. I mean, that could be a whole gambit of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes it can feel like you've been let down by the institution because of, you know, an unexpected, you know, an expectation not being met. But at the same time, it's important to remember that 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 was my expectation as an individual. And I'm not just an individual in this sense. I mean, I have autonomy and I have agency and I am who I am, but I'm also a part of this larger body. That's so I make up one small piece of something much larger than myself. And so while it may have let me down, it may have been the saving grace for 50 others, you know, so whatever. And, and, and that's, you know, being, speaking very generically. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's an it is in that sense, the institution and we're not perfect. Uh, I, and I, I don't think we should be afraid to say that we are human beings. Um, well, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and. We're figuring it out just as much as everybody else is. And the church has been here for a very long time and has been figuring it out for a very long time. And I'm sure yep. we have a very long time ahead of us as we continue to figure it out. So Amen. It's it's never perfect. <laughs> yeah, but but we've all we've all got something better to look forward to, and that is where our hope and our faith lies, and that is in Jesus Christ. Other than that, the rest falls in place. That's right. And and the thing that Jesus reveals about God is that God is love, and that's at the heart of our community is love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it might be, and that might kind of helps me segue into something that you thought I ta- I told you about this offline, and, and it might be worth sharing a little bit of. So I'm 62, right? And I guess it might be worth explaining. Well, why am I? part of this thing called the Episcopal Church, which is a community of believers, but at the same time, this institution, and um, and why I'm committed to it. And so I'll, uh, br- as briefly as I can, so um, so I was actually raised Southern Baptist. However, um, I was raised Southern Baptist in the 1970s, and that was a very different Southern Baptist convention and the one that this week decided, oh, no, we can't have women pastors. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> uh, so so I was ra- so I was baptized at the age of nine because that's in the Baptist church. You, you know, they don't baptize you. You, you got to say you want to be baptized. And I was and Pastor Graves thought I was ready to make that decision. And so I was uh, baptized. But then kind of in the 70s, it, you start, I started to hear about you know, somehow like it wasn't enough to have been baptized. And in fact, I think increasingly, I, I, someone was telling me, I was sharing this story with someone else. He said, yeah. And the, when I was growing up in the Baptist church, and this was like 20 years later, 
I got the impression that somehow you had to be born again and then you were baptized. And, and that, and I'll be honest with you, that led to some salvation anxiety on my part because, oh, you mean I haven't had this, you mean, you mean it wasn't enough to be baptized? Well, how do I know I'm saved? Right. And that was, that was a, that, that was not an easy thing at times for me to deal with in my teenage years. And I think when I discovered the Episcopal Church, I think one of the great things that has kept me, you know, is the sense of the sacraments. We've talked, I think we've talked about the sacraments on this podcast as outward and visible signs of inward and spiritual grace. And the most, one of the most important being the Eucharist, where we take, we take, we bless, we share bread and wine, and they become Christ, fully present to us. And how for me, that is really, that, that became my blessed assurance. Okay, I, 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 I know Jesus loves me because he just let me eat him and drink him in, in, a, in, a, in a sacramental way. And that made perfect sense. Now, the only, now, in the back of my mind, though, and this is when I was still very much kind of in my own individual, like, how do I know I'm saved? You notice, I'm, you notice I've been talking about I, how am I saved? And then it was, well, how do I know what the truth is? And at and at this point in my life, I was perhaps a little. I, I think the Episcopal Church's ambiguity about things. You know, we don't. The Episcopal Church tries to leave a lot of things open for people to ask questions, and and we have a few basics. They're in the Nicene Creed. They're in our Catechism, in our back of our prayer book. And that ambiguity actually became started to become sort of a challenge for me because I was. I want to know what the truth was. And that actually <clears throat> led to me uh, when I was in my late mid-20s, the late 20s, uh, I actually converted to Roman Catholicism. And I was a Roman Catholic for about nine or 10 years. Now, of course, this happened. I was already married and Laura did not want to do that. And so we kind of, then we had like basically an interreligious, you know, an inter an ecumenical household for a while and then our son came along and um you know and and so we were and so for for a while there we were so we were trying to do both of these things but then there would be times where i would you know maybe laura wasn't feeling well i would take john with me to to the episcopal church because it became clear we were raising john episcopal that was what laura wanted and i and i accepted that and so and so there were often times where maybe it would just be me and John at church and at Grace Episcopal, and they were and they were a great church. They they loved us when we had a when our apartment complex had a fire and we had to move out. Um, one a, a parishioner there happened to manage a hotel, and you know he got he negotiated a great weight with our insurance company, so we had a hotel to stay in while we kind of transitioned and. It was it was a loving place. Talk about communion, fellowship. They they just loved. Me. And at one point, I got involved in the neighborhood youth ministry at Grace Episcopal, and then I was part of a book club. And there was some. It, 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 it got to the point where um, this was funny. It was actually the. It was like almost around New Year's, nineteen ninety nine, and someone from Grace called me on the phone on a Saturday afternoon. And asked if I would be willing to stand for vestry. And for those who don't know, vest, a vestry, that's the basically the elected lay, lay board of directors of, a, of, a, of an Episcopal parish. Now, I was kind of went, well, wait a minute. 
I'm still Roman Catholic, you know, and I, and I actually said, well, oh, um, um, I still think I'm officially uh, Roman Catholic. And the poor person on the other line was going, oh, oh, well, uh, oh, yes, I guess that would be a problem, wouldn't it? You know, and, and she hung up and I, and I thought, well, well, shoot, what, why'd she think I was Episcopalian? Just, just because I'm there almost every Sunday and I've helped with this ministry and this ministry. Why would you think I'm an Episcopalian? <laughs> and, and that was when I really, and, but but that was the revelation for me that, you know, um, we're not saved by an institution. We're not saved by me figuring out what the truth is. We are saved as a people because ultimately we are meant to be a family under under God. And what I realized, well, you know, opinions from opinions, um, where God had clearly made me a living, breathing member of the body of Christ was in the Episcopal Church. And so I was received back into the Episcopal Church in 1999, and I've never looked back. I've never, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. This is where I belong, because this is, this is the community of love. You know, the way of love that Bishop Curry talks about, this is where I've discovered that, and and you know what? The institution sometimes lets you down and there's no getting around that. Um, my only hope and prayer is that people realize that a relationship with Christ, hear about that. Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Well, a personal relationship with Christ has to mean a relationship with a community. We're not saved as individuals. We are saved as people. And you have to be part of a community, a communion a fellowship. And eventually all communions, all fellowships end up having needing to have structures and of, of accountability. And so I think what we've tried to show is that the Episcopal Church, um, I think we have we are we have the institutions which are not perfect, but there's mutual accountability in those structures between lay and ordained. Um, no no one person is an autocrat can decide everything. Uh, parishes are accountable to the diocese. Uh, priests are accountable to the bishop. The bishop is accountable to uh, conventions and standing committees. We, you know, that's, we're all accountable out of love, not just here's the checklist. But that's, that's why I think, I think that to me, that's the great thing about the Episcopal Church is that we you know, we appreciate the ancient structures of the church that has been called Catholic since at least the early second century. Um, but we're also willing to understand that there's the institution has to be built upon a foundation of love. Well, you know, you mentioned Bishop Curry and like Bishop Curry likes to always say, if it's not about love, it's not about God. So, I mean, I think I think that's pretty much it. Right. And um, yep. I think that uh, very firmly that this that's what this church is built upon. And again, we're imperfect people, but we give it our best shot. That we do. <laughs> we do. That we do. Well, any 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 last thoughts from you, Colin? You know, as a as a as a parting thought, um, it can be intensely uh, nerve wracking and anxiety driving or, you know, anxiety ridden or something, you know, whatever you want to say that, um, to, to, to walk into a new community. 
or a community that at one point in time you associated with pain and hurt or a community that um, that maybe at once might have shamed people like you and and all i can say is i i hope that it, it is my hope for you then that that it is god's love at work in your life and that what's drawing you to a community um it is love and and hope and joy and faith um all those good fruits of the spirit that we should all be striving and cultivating in our lives um and, and I just want you to know that, or I want people to know that they're not the only person in the world to have ever felt those feelings and that they will not be the last person in the world to ever feel those feelings. And that, you know, if you find yourself in a church, I hope somebody says hello to you and I hope that they welcome you with loving arms. Um, I, I, I'm confident that if it's an Episcopal church that they will. And I also, um, um, I hope that, you know, those of you that may be listening to this that are a part of an Episcopal church do keep in mind that those who walk through the doors, you know, could be thinking a myriad of things and to just have grace and be welcoming and be radically hospitable to everybody. Amen. And what, as you said, no one, we are not meant to be alone and we don't want you to be alone. And so uh, I want to thank everybody who's been listening. And if you want to reach out, um, I'm actually pretty easy to find on the internet on Facebook. If you, if you, uh, you know, type in facebook.com and then back and then the slash, and then you just type in david.kendrick. It way back in like in 2009, when Facebook was allowing people to register names, I just happened to be up at midnight that night and I got david.kendrick. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically the first David Kendrick you're going to find on Facebook. So, <laughs> So please, please feel free to reach out to me. And Colin, I don't know if there's an easy way for people to find you. Oh, yeah. I'm on uh, I'm on uh, a few different social medias. So just search my name and you'll probably find me come up. Uh, if you find me outside of the state of Missouri, it is the wrong me. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, you can always go to uh, the church website, gracecarthage.com, and, and you can find a way to get a hold of me there. So great. Well. Thank you all very much for uh, listening to two priests jabbering on about the church. Hope I, we hope you have found it helpful and uh, and refreshing, and we hope that you find a place where you are not alone. Thanks, everybody, and have a blessed day. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about all things Episcopal, visit campusministry.dioestmo.org backslash all things Episcopal. All Things Episcopal podcast is a production of the Diocese of West Missouri in association with Resonant Media. The Lord be with you all.